what can you do that would make this 3% easier or 10% more doable? We have this idea that they have to be, we always have to be making these huge sweeping changes. And that is not only is it false, but it sets us up for repeated disappointment. If and not exhausted, right? Exhaustion, like that's exhausting. Exhaustion with a side of feeling failure. Right, right. So who needs that? Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Hot diggity, it's your girl Carly here today, and I am so excited to share with you the most messy and magnificent thing that just happened. So we had an author all scheduled to be on the podcast. She's kind of a big deal. We couldn't wait to have her. And then to the last minute, something came up and we had to reschedule. She needed a different day. And it's funny because in the past, I would have totally freaked out about that. I would have stressed out about what are we going to do? Who are we going to get to be on the show? But my whole being knew I had this gut instinct that things were unfolding exactly the way they were supposed to, even though I had no idea what that was about. Well, then check out what happened. I realized that this could be an opportunity to share with you something I've been wanting to do for a while that felt a little tricky. I've been wanting to figure out a way to give you a real experience of what happens during private one-on-one coaching in our practice. Because a lot of people ask me, so what exactly do you do? What exactly does a session look like? What can I expect of it? Well, today we had the unique opportunity of having somebody else join us at the last minute. A rock star client of mine jumped at the opportunity to actually let us record a session knowing that it would be shared with all of you. So we hit the jackpot. Dana LeMay, who is a coach and founder of The One Minute Minimalist, who happens to be a client of mine in the Reclaiming Time studio, she hopped on this opportunity. Now, this is one of the many fascinating things about Dana is that she developed through the One Minute Minimalist this approach to decluttering that really helps people find the right amount of stuff for themselves. And I love her technique because it's not about getting rid of everything in your house and being austere or being extreme. It's about figuring out what you value and then letting go of what gets in the way of that. So little heads up, there is a really good chance that as you hear the conversation that Dane and I are about to share with you, you're going to fall in love with her (laughs) because she's so freaking real and yet inspiring at the same time. So I'm going to make sure I put a link in the show notes for this episode so that you can connect directly with Dana. Now, here's just a little behind the scenes. We entered this coaching session with no real plan. Though we did have a hunch where we'd end up talking about boundaries at some point, because this comes up a lot with most of my coaching clients. And we totally did. In fact, you might literally laugh out loud when you hear how a jar of pasta sauce was the catalyst for Dana to finally upgrade her boundaries and how this has changed not just her relationship with other people, but her relationship with herself for the better. But soon a theme began to emerge. 
this notion of courage and what it takes to develop a habit of courage so that you can feel capable of making the decisions that hold yourself and your career and your well-being in the highest regard. You see, Dana had the kind of life that looked good on paper. She had the kind of job that a lot of people wanted and she was being paid well for it and celebrated for doing a good job. But according to her, it was secretly killing her. She was exhausted and drained and unhappy. And so on this episode, you are going to hear Dana have an aha moment on the spot live when she realized that it was actually such a super small step that she took years ago that helped her bolster her own courage and finally leave a career that was draining the life out of her. In fact, it was so small that she didn't realize until our conversation that that was what actually started the momentum for her to open up to an entirely different life and career that has been nourishing her deeply ever since. You see, that's my way of coaching. I have come to find that if I give a bunch of advice, I don't know, maybe it'll be helpful, who knows. But lasting transformation, the kind of positive aha moment that permanently shifts us happens when you hear your own wisdom. So you're going to notice in this episode that it's my job to listen to what Dana is saying and then ask the kind of questions that bring her deeper into her own truth. And oh my gosh, I am so glad we recorded this because I cannot wait for you to hear how much wisdom is just below the surface in Dana, because I find the same thing to be true of all women. We carry so much insight if we dare to give ourselves permission to take up space and explore what we know to be true. So if you have ever had a hunch that you could be doing something else, but you're not even sure what that is yet or what exactly that would be involved in making a change, listen to this episode. And if you could use a dose of courage right about now, because maybe you want to make a change or you want to get rid of the things that are draining you, this is definitely going to be your kind of episode. So right before I open it up to my conversation with Dana, I've got to give a shout out. Check out what GB Roots just wrote on iTunes. They said, yeah, that's right. I gave this podcast five stars. (laughs) I've been tuning in each week because it lifts my thoughts, my mood, and my spirit to hear Carly's message. Quite a few aha moments. Her approach gives me all this permission to value myself, take myself seriously, and laugh at myself too. I work as a mental health professional with a difficult population, youth at risk. Listening to Carly early in the morning makes me feel prepared to do my best by making me feel truly supported and part of a larger tribe. GB Roots, first of all, thank you for the work you're doing to advocate for the mental health of the young people at risk in our communities. To hear that you're listening to this podcast as a way to feel truly supported so that you can continue to do this incredible life-giving work, well, that feels like a full circle moment here because we're really helping each other. And that's what women do really well. We support one another. So I am also really thankful that we are part of this growing, messy, and magnificent community together. And I want to extend something special to you, GB Roots, and to anybody else who's listening right now. 
I love it when you send me screenshots of you listening to the podcast on your commute, on your way to or from work, or when you're on the treadmill, or when you're throwing in a load of laundry and doing the dishes. I want to know, is there something specific I could talk to that would give you the boost in your morning or evening that would help you feel more clear and know exactly what to focus on? For real. Tell me, I'm actually creating these episodes for you. Let me know on social and I will make a point to speak to exactly what's going on in your world. So with no further ado, here is my live coaching call with Dana LeMay. So Dana, welcome to Messy and Magnificent. It is such a gift to be here. Thank you for dropping in at the last moment and doing this really special coaching session with me today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) You know, by now I've given the intro so people have heard, you know, the funny circumstances that brought this, this opportunity together today. And I was thinking, we've had a few synchronicity moments already in the time we've been working together where we've talked about something and it's come to fruition. And so I'm curious to hear from you. What made you reach out to me around coaching in the first place? Because you're not new to the world of coaching. What made you connect in the first place? I think I was at a point in my life where I was and am clear that there's something more for me to do and to live into, but I was feeling like I needed some coaching on some support and some guidance and some coaching on how to get to the next level and also some clarity around what that next thing or things or level might look like for me. And I found that being a multi-passionate person with many skills, it can be really difficult for me to get to choose a thing, Mm, yeah, (laughs) a single direction and to be focused and intentional in one way, because I always feel like I might be missing out on something else if I'm not doing all the things. But I also want to say that it took a very long time for me to make the phone call. Like it brewed for, for a good amount of time because I'm not new to coaching. As you said, I've had some really amazing coaches in my life. And I think I first learned of you a couple of years ago. So I've been following you and you know, hearing what you say. I felt like I already knew something about you by the time I reached out. And you were speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> well, we definitely do share a, a common language. And I'm fascinated by what you just said, because I think it's, it's relatable, Dana, about this. I had this sense that mm-hmm. I wanted something to be different or I was ready to make some changes, but I didn't know what that was right? Like I didn't know what that might be yet. And I I hear that a lot. And I know I've experienced that same feeling a lot. So I'm just curious for you, how is that showing up? How is this sense of, Ooh, I'm ready for things to be different showing up? I'm so glad you asked that question because one of the main things that I got out of my most recent coaching experience prior to you, one-on-one coaching was a sort of permission to trust my intuition. Mm. A validation that that gut feeling, that sense that I get in my body is guiding me and it is correct for me and that I don't need to, I don't need to live by someone else's rules. So like everything else, trusting my intuition and following my intuition has been a practice Mm -hmm. and that practice keeps getting stronger and stronger. And so therefore my intuition gets stronger and stronger 
it was just the right time. It was time to make the call. And I made the call and our, our conversation, mine and your first conversation was very synchronistic. There were a lot of parallels in a lot of ways. And I, that's, no, that's no accident or coincidence. I believe the same thing. You just said something that made all the little hairs in the back of my neck stand up, which was, and I'm paraphrasing, but you gave yourself permission to listen to your intuition. Can we go there for a second? Because I am fascinated by that because I really believe in my heart of hearts that we often have a gut reaction to something and then our logic can kick in and we can talk ourselves out of it really quickly. And I get that question a lot. Like, how do I know if it's my gut or if it's my fear or like what's directing me? So I'm just curious for you, Dana, how long have you felt like you've had a sense of intuition? Is this something new? Is this something that's been there since day one? Like, how long do you feel like you've had a sense of intuition? I feel like I've always had a very strong sense of intuition. Also, that my, my life has trained me, my experiences, my ideas about what I was supposed to do and not supposed to do have really put more value on my logical brain And I have a very logical brain and I like to make sense and I like data. I Mm -hmm. like proof that things are going to go the way that I would like them to. Thank you. (laughs) And so to just really have this gut check guiding me was this whole new world, whole brave new world. And you really do have to be brave in a world that values logic and reason to just trust that feeling when the little hairs on your body stand up. which they did as we're having this, like it really is that simple, but it's not easy. That's just it, it, right? Something can be simple and and not easy. So can you give me an example of a time when maybe you had a gut instinct about something or an intuition and you, and you didn't listen? Oh, sure. Let me just think of the millions of them. (laughs) One that I could, one that I could give you right now. Um, I think the one that stands out the most is I spent many, many years in a job, in a position that didn't feel good or right to me. And when I say a lot of years, 15 years I spent because I, I, thought, I thought I had to endure. I thought I had to figure it out. I thought I had to make it work. And I know now a few years after letting that go that that wasn't true. That isn't true. But I didn't know that in the moment. There was more fear guiding my decisions because fear is what guides my logical brain Mm -hmm. than there was real true guidance. And I have a lot of responsibilities. I mean, in the real world, I have a life. I have a child. I have a home. I have, I have things to, to support. And so, but, but it was that, it was like that feeling that this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. But I don't know if it was a sense of not feeling that I deserved more or there's so many things, their boundaries come into play there, not following like, okay, let me back up on paper. My life looked great. Mm, that's it looked it. fantastic on yeah, paper, that's it. which is the logical brain, the data driven brain. My life looked fantastic inside. I felt like I was dying. Yeah. So much so that even the recall of it, the memory of it really feels powerful right now. Yeah, I can sense the the emotional response. What do you think the emotion even now, just talking about it, what do you think that emotion is about? I think there's sadness there. 
I feel a little sorry for that part of myself that didn't believe that I deserved better than what I was enduring. And not just in that particular situation, but enduring relationships or situations for longer than is healthy for me is a pattern. So, so yeah, there's a little bit of, it's not regret because so much came out of the experience, but yeah, there's a little sadness and a little like, oh, oh, you know, like a little nurturing, mothering, like I want to be gentle with that part of myself because that's sad to me. Because tell me more, because you're onto something. It's sad to me because... Because I would never expect another person, another human who I love to, to remain, to put themselves in or remain in a situation that in which they felt. And I'm not going to say that the situ- they made me feel, right? How I felt in the situation was unloved, unvaluable, like I was not good enough. It was like all the worst things that I tell myself were just brought out in that, in that relationship, in that situation, in my work life. Right, right. I'm so glad you said that because I have no doubt that there's somebody listening right now who's feeling that exact same way and wondering, because I'm curious if this is what came up for you. This is what came up for me when I was in a career that wasn't working for me that just like you said, was great on paper. Everybody thought I was crazy for wanting to stop touring with celebrities. They thought, are you kidding? Nobody leaves. <laughs> like, this is the best job ever. Look how much money you're making. You're on MTV. And, you're... and yet something inside of me felt like it was shriveling up, right? Like it was, it was, the light was going out. And I, so I wonder, when you share that, Dana, what did finally help you make the switch? You went through this, right, this, this awareness of I'm feeling, as you said, like I'm dying inside, even though my life looks good on paper and I have responsibilities. This is where I appreciate the realness of, of getting to coach like this because it's not all pie in the sky. You have real responsibilities. You probably couldn't go take an eat, love, pray year and tour around Italy and eat pasta, right? Like it's like you had somebody in more than one person counting on you. And so what do you think allowed you to to start to make that shift into, into something that felt more true. So this is really interesting because I never, I never put this together. Like it was, it was there, but in a kind of nebulous way until you just asked me the question in this way. So I believe, and what has been true for me in my life, that when we take a tiny little step that feels courageous, everything in our life can shift. Mm. and. I realized after the fact that looking back, I had my first one-on-one life coaching session in probably 15 or 20 years on the books for the scheduled five or six weeks ahead of time for the day after I left my job. Wow. And I really believe that that making that appointment, and I only had a certain period of time to make that appointment. And I did it within that time frame. I believe that making that appointment started to shift something. And, and the shifts since then have been the biggest of my, of my life, really. So, so it was that. And that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> oh, no, I love, I love, I'm so glad you just said that. I love what you just said because I'm on the other end of that, right? So I'm the coach on the other end. And for anybody listening, I'm also the client too because I've always got a coach or a mentor or somebody I'm working with too. But, you know, oftentimes somebody will sign up for a session with me and it might take a few weeks or a couple months before they, they get their appointment in my, in my calendar. And I've learned to ask the question, okay, 
between the time you signed up and today oh. has something shifted, right? Yeah. Because often the reason they thought they were signing up, by the time we actually talk, their whole world has already begun to open up other things. And, and so yeah. I've never heard the other side of that tale. And that fascinates me that just in the act of making a conscious choice, like you said, that took some courage, but yeah. it wasn't a crazy choice. Like you didn't no. have to make a, a huge leap and leave your whole world behind. You just said, this next thing feels right for me. You booked right. that session and then things already began to shift for you. And then I took a step and left my whole world behind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I just want to say that that's not the way things happen for everyone. Sometimes it's a tiny little step and it, and it builds and it builds. Typically for me in my life, it happens this way is I make one little shift and then kabam, the whole world just changes. So I can't say that leaving that job was very thoughtful in terms of the timing of it, but I had been thinking about making a change for most of the time that I was in that position. Right. And this shift and the coach and the appointment for the coaching just, it's like I was ready. The world, the universe gave me a nudge. (laughs) Yeah. Because not only did I have to make the appointment, but then something had to happen in my job that made me like that was an alarm bell that went, wait a minute, this isn't okay. This isn't okay. This isn't okay. You have to do something about this and you have to do it now. And there was a real sense of urgency and, and it was just, it was a huge ripple effect. Wow. Yeah. But that is not the way things go for everyone. Right. Which is what I so appreciate because we had somebody in the podcast a few episodes ago, and I'll put a link into it, who was very strategic in their their leaping. And so anybody who's listening, like I love, you know, Dana is sharing what works for her and we each get to, you know, marinate on what works for us because sometimes the building is burning down and we need to leap and that's just the way it is. And it's going to be a little messy. And then there are other opportunities where we can really hatch a plan and be strategic about it. And they're both okay. And they are. Okay. And I think what's important is to just be taking steps. Whatever those steps are, tiny little steps is all you need. You say this all the time, and I so appreciate it. What can you do that would make this 3% easier or 10% more doable? We have this idea that they have to be, we always have to be making these huge sweeping changes. And that is, not only is it false, but it sets us up for repeated disappointment. <laughs> it's and not exhaustion, right? Exhaustion, like that's exhausting. Exhaustion with a side of feeling failure. <laughs> right, right. So who needs that? And I think that's a big part of it is what you're speaking to is these small steps actually have a large ripple out effect. And I okay. think I, one thing that I have noticed is it's, a, it's another form of procrastination to tell ourselves that it's too big or it's too complicated to make a change, right? And and because it, it might be, it might be too big sure. or complicated to make the full change today. But yeah. what does three percent change look like? So for somebody leaving a job, three percent change might just be googling some other job opportunities and just seeing what's out there in your market, right. or looking into the school you want to go back to, or whatever it is. And they're the kind. Or how of, about leaving work on time? Yeah. How about, how about that? Simply leaving work on time, or taking your lunch break. There's a novel idea. How many people are sitting at their desks all day long with no break, wearing it like a badge of honor? Yes. Right? 
Yes. And I think, so now we're coming full circle because originally when Dana and I spoke, we said, okay, we're going to talk about boundaries because this is a reoccurring theme that comes up for so many women, you know, when we get to coach. And so like, here we go, right? We came full circle because there's these external boundaries, but there are also these internal boundaries. Because what you're talking about are the kind of boundaries that nobody else even needs to know whether or not we're making, just deciding we're going to eat lunch or just deciding, you know, that we're going to go pee when we have to pee. And nobody's going to know if we send the email before or after we pee. And those little itty bitty things really add up and, and make a big difference. And so I'm curious for you, Dana, and I so appreciate you just doing live coaching right here. What's your thought process around boundaries right now? Like how is the need to be practicing boundaries showing up in your, in your world right now? I love that you just prefaced it with what the, the, your previous thought, because that is, it's a, it's a perfect segue because what, where I'm really working on boundaries now are my own boundaries with myself. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> you know, the job that wasn't filling me up and the relationships over the last couple of years, since it's been two years since I left that position. So over the last couple of years, my experience has been, so let's call that job a bad relationship or a relationship that wasn't serving me. As I let go of one, the next thing I, I was ready to deal with rose up, right? So I've made some, some changes in the relationships in my life over those couple of years. But what I'm finding now and especially since you did a great program in the fall, Boundaries Like a Boss, which really, really spoke to me. It is so profound and so simple. Mm. And since then, really noticing, again, my intuitive sense of what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And that felt sense that this isn't okay, or it's not as, maybe it's just not as as good or as happy or as whatever as I want to feel, what is my part in this? Oh, what is my part? What is my part in this? Which is to say, I'm taking full responsibility for how I feel and where I am and where my relationships are. And what could be my part in making this a little bit better? Or what do I need to shift for this to feel okay with me? That is powerful. Okay, so let's make this real, right? So can yeah. you give me an example of a, of a recent boundary that you've needed yeah. to make where you got that initial hit? So you're getting that, and we call that in Boundaries yeah. Like a Boss. And for anybody listening, there's a, I'll put a free link to access that um, recording of that class in the show notes. So that is totally free for anybody, the Boundaries Like a Boss. But, so we call it, you know, the first step in there is, is throwing the flag, meaning that we just notice that, ooh, this might be an opportunity for a boundary because we can't make a boundary if we don't realize that one would probably be useful right about now. So can you give me an example of a time recently when you threw the flag internally when you had the hit, like, ooh, maybe this is a place to have a boundary? Yes, and I'm going to give you a really seemingly silly example. (laughs) And if you want another example, I have that too. (laughs) Great. So, (laughs) So very recently, and this is very, very silly, I opened my cabinet and realized that a brand new jar of spaghetti sauce, pasta sauce that I bought was leaking. So I took it out. I, you know, wondered about what this was on the shelf, took it out, put it on the counter. And I, I, I had this, oh, can you believe this? That this jar I haven't even opened is leaking. And I got really indignant about it. And I went, wait a minute, what, <laughs> what is happening right now? 
So I went online and I reached out to the company and I sent them a little email and I said, they have this form. It could not be easier. And I just said, I bought this jar of sauce and it's leaking and I haven't even opened it. And the next day I got a response that said, we are so sorry about this. Please offer our sincere apologies. And here's a free jar of pasta sauce. Now, (laughs) that really is just a dumb little example, right? But when I think about how many of those little things irritate me just a little bit and the cumulative effect of feeling like, and here's the, the, the crux for me, feeling like it is not okay for me to show up in the world and take up space. Mm, I bought that jar of sauce. I want to eat that jar of sauce. It's that simple. And there is nothing wrong with me saying, this isn't okay with me. What can we do about it? Oh, so here's what I appreciate about, I appreciate so many things about what you just said, but one of them is this is where it starts right? We talk about creating boundaries for those of us who are new to creating boundaries in these really low risk moments where even if we don't get the outcome we want, like, okay, right? Like if the company never got back to you, okay. Like, of course, we're thrilled that they did and they handled it beautifully because you've let them know, which they couldn't have made it right if you didn't let them know, first of all. But also that if they didn't, okay, you would have moved on and got other pasta sauce. And I know, you know, that's, it began for me, Dana, with being in a, I won't say the name of it, but being in a coffee shop, I'm allergic to milk, got my drink, took one sip, realized they had put milk in it. And for the first time, not just A, either drinking it and sucking it up and feeling yucky later, Mm -hmm. but, or just throwing it out outside and not getting to have it. And I just went back up to the barista and I said, Hey, you know, could you make this again? And I remember how nervous and uncomfortable I felt. And it was in that moment that I realized for me personally, that a big part of the reason I wasn't setting boundaries, even little boundaries like that, it wasn't because I was worried about the reaction of the other person. I was worried about how I was going to feel. Like I was trying to not feel all the feels. And so I would just brush things under the rug. And so it started, I just, I relate. I love that it's both around food and that this is how we can begin the gateway into our boundaries is in these small, seemingly small moments that actually have a, have a really big effect. So, okay. You gave us the the playful example that actually I think is really illuminating. So give us, what was the other example? What was the the other example? example? And this is one where I have not exercised an effective boundary for myself. So Mm -hmm. I'll give you both. So I helped a local volunteer organization last year with an event that they do. And I offered uh, an acquaintance of mine to help out again at this event. And last year I did a couple of hours on Saturday. I might've done a couple of hours on Sunday. It was fun and low, low effort. You know, it was just nice to be there and supporting and giving back. So this year, they've discovered my competence and asked <laughs> me to be in charge of something that is three, three days long. So the entire event, my ego is saying, wow, that's so cool. They value me. Mm-hmm. But my heart is saying, that's really more than I wanted to commit to. So I have to just be very clear with myself. Now it's this weekend. I'm not going to tell them that I can't do it. I'm going to do what I need to do, but, or what I've committed to doing, not what I need to do, (laughs) but I am going to consider this next when I, when I, 
sign up next year, or maybe I don't sign up next year. Right. But what I'm finding about the boundaries is that when I need a boundary, there's always a little bit of resentment there, at mm. least. Mm-hmm. A little to a lot. It can be a lot of resentment. <laughs> this is like just a little bit, like this is a big board. This is a big organization. They can't find somebody else to do this. Like, nick, 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 you know? Right, right. And I guess, exactly. And I love, we all have telltale signs, right? Yeah. That a boundary is needed. And we talk about, so in order to know that it's time to throw a flag, we have to notice something's off. Yeah. And for some of us, it's a knot in our stomach or an instant headache or a sudden sense of overwhelm. So for a lot of us, it's a sense of resentment or frustration, or isolation. And so I love that you are able to identify without judgment. Like, oh, right. I'm being resentful. Ooh, could that be because I actually needed, needed a boundary here? So I'm curious, if we got a do-over, which you very well might get next year, since it sounds mm-hmm. like you're doing a great job and they're probably going to come back to you again. Um, so, so, but if you had a do-over this time, what might you do differently? What could you have done to, to give yourself the space you needed to, to answer. I, I would have been more clear about what I'm willing to, to donate, what I'm willing to volunteer give than I was. I would have said, I will say in the future, I'm willing to give you a few hours on Saturday and or a few hours on Sunday if I can be of help. Right. So again, to just be clear about what is okay with me. And in order to be clear about what is okay with me, I have to put that ego piece aside and really check in with how I feel. It was really powerful. It really stood out to me when you said, oh, they value me. Yes. And how often have all of us women done something because it made us feel like, oh, they want me here. I'm worthy of being here. Right. And so when we're looking for that external sense of validation, it's insatiable. That's insatiable because we get the momentary hit of validation, but then we need another hit and another hit and another hit. And now you've got a three-day commitment and then we're going to need the next hit anyway. Right. Um, As opposed to, you know, feeling it from, from the inside out. So tell me a little bit about that. What part of you wants to be validated? That I think, well, what part of me wants to be validated? All the parts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Validated. Just all of them. But there's a definite tie to the relationship I have endured in my Mm. life throughout my lifetime, the last job included, that did not give me a sense of being validated. So whether that was job situations or being involved in organizations or relationships, whatever they are. So, so that's, I mean, that's my thing. I'm a, I'm a recovering people pleaser and also a very competent woman. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I've done a lot of things for a lot of people and people count on me for things. And I enjoy, that's the way I show my love for people is doing right. acts of service. Right. So I really have to be clear about, about that and know that I, I am valuable just being. And that goes back to what I said earlier about giving myself permission or showing up, taking up space in the world. Yeah. Feeling like it's okay for me to claim, yeah, this is my space. I'm allowed to be here. I'm claiming this, this crosswalk is mine, babe, you know? (laughs) Or this, this jar of sauce, right? Is mine. Because what you just said was, I've never thought about it this way before, Dana, but that is the perfect 
storm, right? The perfect recipe for being chronically overgiving is having that people pleasing part of us and being competent at the same time. And then add on that genuinely wanting to help others. And we're screwed. <laughs> like yeah. We're screwed, right? So take 100%. people pleasing, add a little competency, and then a genuine caring for others. And each of those sound like okay by themselves, but put it together. And now we've got this perfect storm that can burn us into the ground. And I've never thought about it that way, how our competency can sabotage us. Yes. I just had this conversation with my teenage son. He is 16, almost 17. And we had this conversation about being at work. And maybe this person doesn't do everything that they are supposed to do. And so more work falls on a different person. And I said to him that competency is both a blessing and a curse, can be both a blessing and a curse. And that it's okay to do more, but it's also okay to do what you've committed to do and not feel like you have to take on someone else's stuff. Exactly. And I, I think that's true of every, of every skill set, right? That there's, there's mm-hmm. the light sh- side and then there's the, the shadow yeah. side, right? So the yeah. light side of genuinely wanting to be there for other people is obvious. And the shadow side is we can accidentally put their needs in front of ours to the point at yeah. which we're depleted. And, and so just, and just to be aware of that and to kind of keep ourselves yeah. in balance. And I'm so curious. Oh, well, I was going to ask you a quick question. (laughs) We get excited. When Dana and I start talking, we get excited. Um, Because what I'm really curious about, Dana, is so what is helping you fill your internal validation cup now? Like what is helping you make the shifts? Are there certain things that when you're doing them, you feel better or you notice that you feel more in alignment with yourself? You need less external validation? Yes. Absolutely. The first thing that came to mind when you started to ask a question was being courageous. So this is big for me right now. Taking when something feels very scary to me, and I'm talking about small steps, like sending the email to the spaghetti sauce people. Like I'm not talking (laughs) big monumental things here, but I do the thing that scares me. And the more I do that, the more confident I gain. So the courage builds the confidence, not the other way around, right? You have to do the little things and it's a, it's a practice. It's a muscle like anything else, a habit. So building the habit of courage lately has been big for me. And also I have this beautiful daily practice. I think you call it a daily thrive practice Yep. where I have a checklist of things that I know help me fill my own cup that make me feel validated and valued and like, hey, you know, I think our value has to start with us, right? We have to value ourselves. Brene Brown said something like uh, about love. I think it's the same thing about value, right? We can't love another person more than we love ourselves. We can't value another person more than we value ourselves either. Oh, so. But it's not, it's it's, it's not sustainable. Yeah, exactly. Right. That that would be depleting. And I, Gosh, the phrase you just said, building the habit of courage. When you write your uh, next book, right? Yes. There it is. Right? There's yes. the book title for you. Would you be willing? Because I'm always curious to hear. We're all so different. What works for people? What is like one or two of things on your, on your yes. personal checklist that work for you to help you build that muscle of courage? Absolutely. And I'm happy to share this because someone in the coaching group that I'm in with you shared their list. And I went, wow, that list is overwhelming me right now. Like I had a little bit of 
my list doesn't live up to that. And at the point, <laughs> right, that list point, comparison syndrome, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and at that point, I didn't have my little practice. So some things on mine are, um, well, number one, let me say that I, I, I focus, my intention every day is to do at least one thing that it brings me joy or makes me feel energized. So I really focus on something that makes me happy, something that makes me feel joyful and or something that makes me feel energized. And that is remarkably easy when you start noticing the things that make you feel happy, joyful, or energized. Mm-hmm. So I do a meditation. It just says meditation. It doesn't say an hour of meditation. <laughs> Some days it's three minutes. Some days it's 10 minutes. Right now I am writing a lot. I'm writing talks. I'm writing a book. I'm writing all kinds of things. And I learned of this practice to um, write three pages a day. So I have this, this website that I go to called 750 words and I write three pages a day and that makes me feel good. Some days that makes me feel energized. Mm -hmm. Some days I feel like, what am I going to write? What am I going to write? What am I going to write? You know, every day is different. And then, you know, some other self-care things like doing my stretches. Right. And it makes me feel valuable and accomplished when I check things off, but not in the way that my old checklist, <laughs> like I'm not attaching my value. I don't know how to say this exactly, but I'm not attaching my value to the checks on the list. It, well, it sounds like you're attaching, the sense of value is coming from the experience of doing the thing, not the crossing it off the list. Yes. If that makes and sense. That the, it does. And that the thing adds value to my life. I'm not crossing off my errands and my groceries and whether I had to go to the, you know, the transfer station today or not. I'm crossing off a list of self-care practices that I know feed my soul. Mm. And so what Dana is talking about here is huge because you've done two things. You've gotten clear about your focal point. So you know, okay, it is not my business to do all the things this morning. It is my business to cultivate a little bit of joy or a little bit of energy. Because we know that one or both of those things, it gives us more oomph, or as my Jewish grandmother would say, more chutzpah to get through the rest of the day, right? Um, So you you got clear on the purpose of your practice. It's not just a practice for practice sake. It's I'm doing these things to cultivate this. And what I'm noticing is that there's also this awareness within you that this practice is not separate from the rest of your life. Yeah. This is part of the rest of your life. You're doing this not just for the, for the time in which you're doing it, but you're doing it so that you have that added confidence and energy mm-hmm. and joy to apply to the other things that might take a little confidence and energy right. and joy to get done. It is a form of nourishment. Mm. It is a form of nourishment. So it does become as important or it has become as important to me for many reasons as feeding myself properly and getting fresh air. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's a powerful statement. So my morning practice has become as important to me as feeding myself or getting fresh air. Yeah. It just, and, and that's the power of a habit that you build in small intentional steps is I, I didn't say I'm going to meditate for an hour a day because I would be, I would feel defeated if I didn't get to do that. I just write meditation on my list. And if I close my eyes for 30 seconds and just get present, then I, that counts. Right. <laughs> oh my. And yes, 
And yesterday, I didn't get to write my pages because I had a very busy day, a very busy and exciting day. And it slipped my mind when I got home. And I'm not going to lie. I woke up this morning and I went, oh, I missed a day. And there was a streak going. So I broke my streak and my data brain just freaked out. <laughs> and I had to have a talk with myself that this is okay. Yeah, that we do this on most days is the thing we say a lot in my practice, right? This is what we do on most days so that there will be days when the stuff is the fan or you had an exciting opportunity to go do something or whatever comes up and that that's all right. And that that we're practicing it on most days so that when we need it, the foundation of it is already there and it's easy and it's easy to come back to. So you miss it for a day or a couple days or you get the flu, it happens and When we're ready, we come back. And like you say, so often we thrive on nourishment, not punishment. And breaking the streak and having our brains kick in and make us bad and wrong and less than and invaluable because we didn't do it one day or two days or whatever the circumstances is not how we live happy lives. Right. Isn't it funny if you think about it? Like, like we can't suffer our way to more joy. No. <laughs> and we can't no. schedule our way to more free time. Like the, those, they work against each other. My assistant, Ellen, and I often talk about me as a recovering perfectionist, that I can't be less of a perfectionist perfectly. I can't do it perfectly. <laughs> like that's the irony that. here is I can't be perfectly imperfect. And that's just, and that's just part of it. So I'm curious as we, as we wrap up our session here and as you've been, you've been doing your morning practice and you've really, you've made this transition a couple of years ago out of something that wasn't working into something that you're creating that's rich and that is serving you and opening doors and not done yet, right? Yeah. Like in process, what do you now know to be true that you didn't oh. know then? Oh, I love that question. I would say that The bottom line is that everything will be okay, right? But that the practice is showing up, following my intuition, and knowing that things will go as well or better for me than anything I could have cooked up in my logical brain. And it's so ingrained in me now as a practice that I... I don't fear what will happen. I have no idea what my future will look like for the first time in my entire life. And it is the most comfortable I've, I've ever been in the not knowing. Wow. And who would have guessed that? No, <laughs> right? not me. That for a planner, right? For somebody who's, who has been a planner and highly organized to actually be finding more yeah. comfort in the unknown. Not only right. did it not go bad, but it's actually right. more comfort here. Yes. And I was going to say that my spreadsheets could never have predicted <laughs> where I am, you know, where I am right now. And that might sound a little pie in the sky. You know, you just, you believe that things w- will go a certain way and they do. And, and, I, and I don't mean that, but I mean that I live with intentionality and I have let go of the idea that I have to have it all figured out. Mm, that's it. That's what it is. Right. Yeah. And then, and then we do our daily practice because that's, that's right. what allows us to be able to handle what comes our way. Yeah. We're more, when we're more resourced, when we're feeling yeah. calmer and clearer, even just for that small, you know, morning moment, that that is what allows us. And so it's not this blind trust that things will work right. out. It's cultivating. When you talk about building that habit of courage, yeah. 
Yeah. Cultivating a trust in ourselves. And we don't need to like have as much trust in the process when we trust ourselves because we know, well, whatever comes our way, I've handled it before. I'll handle it again. This is, this is what it is. Dana, thank you for sharing one pathway into courage with us. I am so grateful for you and the way you are showing up in the world. And we're going to make sure to put a link to how you can be in touch with Dana in the show notes for this episode. So head on over to carlythane.com forward slash podcast, and I will put a link for how you can connect with Dana. If you ever have an opportunity to do anything with her, jump on it. She has this phenomenal way of being incredibly real and inspiring at the same time. Thank you, Dana. Thank you. Wowie, we covered a lot during this coaching session with Dana, right? I mean, I'm always amazed by how much happens in a short amount of time when we're with somebody who we feel safe with, that we can speak openly and honestly with, who's got a non-judgmental ear and asks us the kind of questions that help us go deeper into our own wisdom. So now I want to hear a little bit about your wisdom. So, you know, the question I asked Dana at the end of our conversation, I'm going to ask you the same thing. So having heard this episode, what is one thing that you now know to be true? Even if other people disagree with you, what do you know to be true? I want you to write that on iTunes or write it on your social media and tag me in it because I believe that when we give ourselves to take up space, just like we spoke about with Dana, that can be the catalyst for rising in our own career, health, and relationships. Plus, I want to give you a shout out too, live on the air. I am so glad we get to do this lifetime together. Now remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep prioritizing what you value, including yourself, and I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.